podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Well, you guys look good in 2020. Why don't you just look at somebody and say, you look good in 2020. And you're going, to look, you're going to look better. It's going to be a good year. Amen? I agree with that. How many of you, just curious, and we touched on this just a little bit last week, but how many of you were absolutely ready to be done with 2019? I'm just curious here by a show of hands. When Caleb was. Yeah, Kenya was last week. Oh, yes. Yes, Caitlin. Anybody else over here? Yes, Randall. Randall. Grace and peace to you for those of you guys who 2019 was a difficult season or a difficult year. But I've got a word for you this year. I've got a word for the year. Anybody ready for a word for the year? I'm excited. I'm excited to deliver this word because I believe it is a sure word. And uh, many of you know that uh, in times past, and there are many other uh, traditions of faith that participate with this kind of practice, that uh, the, the first season of the year, maybe the first Sunday of the year, it's a time to really lean in and dial into what God might be saying. And I think I've got a really, really sure word for every single one of you, for every single one of you. So uh, I'm going to pray. If you will, go ahead and grab your Bible if you have it and turn with me to the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 18 as we position our hearts to hear the word of the Lord for this year. Father, today, I am so grateful that you are present, that you are here, that you have not left us, that you have not forsaken us, that God, even in the darkest, slowest, most monotonous, mundane, challenging seasons of our life, that you are right there. And the incarnation tells us so, that you became flesh and you dwelt among us you made your habitation. You, you tabernacled among us, God. In every season of life, there you are, present with us, speaking to us, ministering grace and strength to us. And now today I pray that the Holy Spirit of the living God would glorify Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit would take from the things that Jesus is giving and sharing and make it known to us, God, that we would live our lives on purpose, that we would live our lives on target, that we would live our lives wholly and fully devoted to you and to your kingdom. And we pray this today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. John chapter one, verse one. Welcome, by the way, for those of you guys who are joining us today for the very first time. John chapter one, verse one. I'm reading out of the NIV. I don't know if you have the ability to switch that. I know, I'm, I, just, I just keep with these guys on their toes all the time. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Nothing was made without him that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, one of my favorite verses. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not 
overcome it. NIV says overcome it. Some translations say has not understood it, has not comprehended it. One particular translation says the darkness has not mastered it, right? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right or the authority to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, children born by and of the living God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Can I just read that verse again? This one right here just... Stuck with me so much. The word became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. John testified concerning him and he cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace that was already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the father has made him known. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here's the word of the Lord for you for 2020. The word of the Lord for us is Jesus. Good word. Jesus is the word of the Lord for 2020. Jesus is, number one, the word of God, right? Look at that, verse one, chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. Friends, I want you to know today that before whatever situation you stepped into, Whatever difficulty, whatever trial, whatever affliction, whatever season you might be in right now, I want you to know that there was a word that was already spoken and there was a word that was already released before the situation you entered into. Because in the beginning was the word. What beginning are we talking about? We're talking about the beginning before the beginning. Because John's account here in John chapter one is not just speaking of what Genesis is speaking of. Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God spoke. In the beginning, he saw that there was nothing and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the chaos and he was hovering over the deep and the darkness and God spoke, let there be light. Boom, there's light. But we're talking about a beginning before that beginning. Because Genesis is speaking of the beginning of the created order. The word of God that was in the beginning is Jesus, the preexistent one, the one who's existed throughout all time as God, with God. He was with God in the beginning, before anything else existed. What is the word of God? What is the logos of God that we're speaking of right here? Logos is very simply the Greek word for word. 
But the logos of God is not, as we might assume, just the, the Bible. I wanna, I wanna make some pretty difficult statements here, but I wanna try to be as clear and simple as possible. The, the, the word of God, I'm gonna use uh, lowercase w, right? The word of God, lowercase w, is not Jesus. The word of God, lowercase w, the scriptures, the Bible that you and I read, whatever version it is that we read, is designed to lead us to Jesus, who is the word, capital W, capital O, capital R, capital D, right? The word of God. He is the complete and perfect wisdom of God. He is the complete and perfect will of God. He is the complete and perfect knowledge of God. The logos of God, the word of God, Jesus is the complete wisdom of God. He is the living and active word. He is the agent of God that when God said, let there be light, it was Jesus who was the word, the living word that caused light to come forth into the world. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs chapter eight. Proverbs chapter eight. And we're gonna look right here at verse 22. Now in the Hebrew literature, particularly in the wisdom literature, wisdom personified, now they hadn't had not had the full revelation of Jesus yet, but in the wisdom literature, the wisdom that is speaking of here is Jesus. Look right here at verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. In the beginning was the word, the wisdom of God. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in the human race. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Whatever situation that you and I are in where we need wisdom, I wanna point you today to a sure word and that is look to Jesus. That's look to Jesus. Now, I'm, I, I gotta try to bring this down home because if we're not careful, some of this would just become like this esoteric idea. But what I wanna encourage you today at the end of this is to so saturate and so soak yourselves in the person of Jesus that he begins to fill in the lines for every part of our life. You got a, you got a situation where you're in conflict with someone, Jesus has wisdom for that. Yes. Jesus has a wisdom for that. He has a wisdom in the way that he treats one another. He has a wisdom in his grace and in his mercy and in his peace. He has a wisdom in the way that he pursues reconciliation. Jesus has a wisdom for that. Are you wronged by your enemy? Jesus has a wisdom for that because he is the perfect wisdom and will of God incarnated. Jesus is the word of God. He is your word. He is the word of hope and strength and grace and truth and peace for every moment of your life. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1.
beginning in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You see, Jesus as the Logos, the perfect wisdom and will of God incarnate, is not like the wisdom of the world. It's not like the wisdom of man or woman. It's not like the wisdom of just acquire more, acquire more so that we can leverage and posture ourselves into a better place of of intellect so that we can rule and control and dominate. That's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God in many cases seems very contrary to what might seem like conventional wisdom in the world's eyes. There might be things that God asks you to do that seem absolutely upside down, right? How is it? that the least among you shall be the greatest. I don't understand. It's the wisdom of God. It's the logos of God. How is it that you shall give and it shall be given unto you good measure and pressed down, shaken together? I can't explain it. All I can say, it's the wisdom of God. It is the logos of God that was with us in the beginning, revealing the nature of God and the nature of his kingdom. How is it that when we love our enemies, we are most like God? How is that? It's the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God revealed in his scriptures to bring us fully to himself. For since in the wisdom of God, verse 21, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Look at that. For since in the wisdom of God, the world in its wisdom did not know him. Remember what it said there in John chapter one, verse 11, that Jesus came to the world and the world did not recognize him. How is it that the very world that he created that the very world that he created and the very world that he came to live amongst did not recognize him. For since in the wisdom of God, in the world's wisdom, it did not recognize him. We're not gonna come to know who God is in the wisdom of the world. Because the things of God are spiritually discerned. The things of God require life in our spirit to discern the things of God to discern the mind of God, to discern the thoughts of God. Our spirits have to be alive and they have to be awake and they have to be saturated in the wisdom of God, expressed and revealed in Jesus, the logos of God. Let's keep reading here. Verse 22, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. The wisdom of God was to take the most powerful creature on the planet, make him fully God, fully man, to lay his life down for the sins of all humanity. And in this way, the goodness and the righteousness and the truth of God comes to bear in the earth. That's foolishness. No, it's the wisdom of God. It's turning the structures of the world upside down on their head to reveal who this God really is. Verse 23, we, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks. Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Friends, today I've come to announce to you that Jesus is your word. He is your word. You know, I don't want to make light of this. I don't want to make light of this at all because I know that when we enter into new calendar seasons, 
There is a natural momentum and there's a natural inertia just in going from one season to the next, from one calendar date to the next. But what I wanna speak to here just for a couple of minutes is if we're not careful, we'll presume and project our season onto someone else's, right? Or what we'll do is we'll only pick the good, happy, positive themes to, to identify our seasons with. We're going into 2020 and it's gonna be, you name it, all, all of the stuff. But Christy and I, when we were at a church in uh, our, our previous post, there was this, it was, it was the wildest thing, but they would always take something that rhymed with the year and they would demarcate that as the word of God for the year, right? Things are gonna be great in 2008, right? We're going to see more of heaven in 2007. I mean, we're more in store in 2004. And, and, and you know, there's, there's you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's cute, right? But I'm here to tell you, there is no more sure word for your life in 2020. What if 2020 became a year where we pressed in to the reality and the truth of who Jesus is? What if 2020 became a year where we leaned into the wisdom of God expressed and revealed in God incarnate, Jesus Christ? What if we set it as our goal that we say, Jesus, whatever this year looks like, we wanna look more like you at the end of 2020 than at the beginning of 2020. Jesus, we want your words to saturate our spirits. We want us to respond like you in the midst of the affliction and the adversity and the persecution that comes through this world. Jesus, you're our word. And because you're our word of hope, we have hope, right? Christian hope is not just optimism. Christian hope is not just kind of self-help and, and we're gonna just pull up our bootstraps and believe that good things are happening. Christian hope is Jesus. It is the person of God revealed in Christ, crucified and resurrected. That is where our hope is. That is where our hope is. And listen, for those of you here today, and maybe you've sat under teachings or you've read books or you've read blogs or you've listened to messages and, and there was a word that came forth for a year and you latched onto that and you were faithful to that and it did not come to bear in your life. I wanna pray this, this morning that grace and healing and strength come to you and that it come to me. Because guys, listen, Christianity is not about us just directing our own destiny. Christianity is about us becoming more and more like the person of God revealed in Christ crucified and resurrected. Your word for 2020 is Jesus, the logos of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's your word this year. Here's the second thing. Jesus is not only the word of God, Jesus is the life of God. He is the life of God. Verse three and four, Denise, if we could. In him was life. And, li and that life, verse four and five. In him was life. And that life was the light of all humankind. Can you just meditate on that for one second? In Jesus was life. Life eternal. The fountain of life. The source of life was in Jesus. Life eternal. Life in the spirit. Life in its fullness, your fulfillment, your satisfaction, your contentment and mine is found in Jesus. Now, many of us know this, but we try to find life. We try to find joy, contentment, peace, purpose, fulfillment. We try to find it in so many things. I love my family, but my life is not in my family. 
right? There is a measure of life they bring to me, but the source of life is not my wife, not my marriage, not even on our best days. It's not in my children. The source of life eternal, the source of, of, of hope and joy and peace is in Christ Jesus. He is our life. Look with me, if you would, in John chapter eight. John chapter eight, verse 12. I'm gonna jump from John 8 and back over to John 5. But John 8, 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And look at these words, light and life, life and light, light and life, life and light. There's this connection that the evangelist John is making, but I think even more so the wisdom of God is making to us that when we have the life of God, then we can see clearly. We live in the light when we have the life of God, the Zoe life. Many of us know the scripture in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, that the enemy has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, but I have come that you may have life, right? And that you may have life, different translations say it different ways, that you may have life more abundantly. Some translations say that you may have life to the fullest, life to the max, zoe, the Greek word that you may have the fullness of life as you were always designed and intended to have, not as the world defines life, not as culture, not as Forbes magazine, not as Elon Musk or Richard Branson, or not as entertainers define life, right? 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 But as God defines life, this is the life that you were created to have. I have come to give you Zoe life. I have come to give you a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment in the living, breathing reality of who God is and who you were created to be in me. And it's in that life that everything that God's created you to be will explode. All of your gifts, all of your talents, all of your abilities, all of your faith, all of your strength, the character of God inside of you, it will all be animated with the life of God as you enter into that Zoe life. He came to give life and life to its fullest. I don't want to get in a soapbox here, but I really do believe that Christians really should be some of the most fully alive, fully alive, fully awake, fully full of the life and the goodness and the joy of God radiating through every part. Doesn't mean that we're going to have, not we're going to have bad days. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through difficult seasons, but I'm saying that even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, the life of God is, 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 is residing inside of us, tabernacling, templing himself inside of us. There is a life that is inside of you. And look with me, if you would, at, verse, at John chapter one, verse five. Are we all there? John one, verse five, the light shines in the darkness. The life of God in you will shine in the darkness. You know what you need more than anything when you're going through a dark night of your soul? You need the life of God. You need that Zoe. You need that light. You need to cling to the life of God. Prayer should be, God, fill me with life and life abundantly. And I think one of the things that we do in the Christian life is we assume a lot of things are just one-time events. Like, listen, I don't know about you guys, but as far as I'm concerned, I need the life of God on a daily basis. Okay, because some of that life just seeps out of me, right? Life is trying to steal my life, okay? 
And what do we do? God, fill me today afresh with the Zoe life of God. Today, fill my mind with the life of God. Are you not thinking the thoughts of God? Are your thoughts full of death, relationally, financially, in your physical body? You know, the things that you speak, out of the abundance of your heart, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. And if you're speaking death to your business and death to your gifts and your talents, death to your dreams and death to your relationships and death to your church, death to your city, death to the home, the environment that you live in, We need an upgrade in the life of God. God, fill my spirit with the life of God so that life will flow out of my mouth. Do you realize that your revelation is connected to the life of God inside of you? Right? In him was life and that life was the light, the vision. Yeah, 2020 vision. Yeah, great. I'm all for it. More vision in 2020, God. I love that we'll just kind of take these human concepts and we'll just, you know, slap these big prophetic projections on top of them. That's fine. But if we want vision in 2020, it's going to require the life of God inside of us. Right? Where death is residing, wherever death is in our lives, the death of bitterness, the death of resentment, the death of poison of sin that is living inside of us, there's darkness and you will not see clearly. You will never have the accurate perception of God where there is darkness residing in your life. Jesus is clear on this, right? The eye is the lamp of the soul. It's the window to the soul. And when there is light that is inside of you, you begin to see everything around you with clarity. Most of the times we fall privy or prey to the deception of the enemy because there's some area of darkness in our lives that he has a foothold to work in. For those of you guys who've not seen the Lord of the Rings series, and forgive me because I'm going to blunder all these names. I'm not, I mean, some of you guys are just, just straight up geeks on this and I love it. I respect it. I admire it. It's amazing. But, you know, we just introduced our, our two oldest to the Lord of the Rings, you know, winter and, and just, you know, time, time to just stay up late. We thought it was a really good time to do that. And uh, in the second edition of the Lord of the Rings, the two towers, there's a, there's a, a king, uh, the king of Rowan by the name of Theoden. And uh, when, when, you, when you walk up and you first encounter Theoden, he's just a shell of a man. He's just a shell of a man. Elliot, what's the guy's name that's whispering into his ear? Worm tongue. So fitting, right? I love it. Lord of the Rings fans, you know, unite, right? Right, and, and here all you see is you see Wormtongue whispering into the ear of this valiant, mighty, powerful, wise, prestigious king, and he's just a shell. He's a hollow of a man. Why? Because he's listening to the voice of the enemy. He's, he's entertaining the voice of the deceiver, and why is he doing that? There's some area of darkness in his life that is keeping him from clearly seeing light. Light. It will twist your perception of reality. It will twist your perception of truth. It will twist your perception of God. It will twist your your, your value and your valuation of yourself and of the things that really matter that are around you. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs again. Look with me at chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord and it sheds light on one's inmost being. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. Where do we receive revelation from God? In our spirit. Where do we hear the voice of God? 
in our spirit. And if our spirit is dead, there is no revelation in truth. There is no revelation in truth if our spirit is dead because where our spirit is dead, that is where darkness abides. It has a legal right to remain where there is death. Jesus, the word of God, the wisdom of God. Jesus, the life of God. Finally, going back to John chapter one, verse 14, Jesus is the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. I wanna make sure I'm clear on this because I don't, I don't want this to be misunderstood, particularly because I have had magnificent encounters with God and I have, God, I, I have had God, I believe, uh, do some incredible things re, re, regarding his glory and, and, and us crying out, say, God, show me your glory. Anybody prayed that prayer before? God, show me your glory. There was a song that was released several years ago, show us your glory. I love this, but for, friends, if, if I'm understanding this correctly, God has showed us his glory. God has showed us his glory. His glory is in the incarnate Christ. Look again with me, if you would, at verse 14. The word became flesh. So the perfect wisdom and the perfect will of God married and coupled with the perfect love of God. See, the logos of God is not just kind of intellectual algorithms, right? The word of God is not just being right. The word of God is the perfection of God's character in his love and beauty and magnificence and grace and wisdom and will. It's all wrapped up into the logos of God. And that logos became flesh so that we could see it lived out. It's one thing for you to say you love someone, but for you to live that out, for you to lay your life down, greater love has no person than this, than they lay their life. Now I know that you love me because you have put skin on love. You have incarnated love. You've incarnated courage. You've incarnated justice. You've incarnated goodness. You have turned it into reality. That is the glory of God. Turn with me in Exodus chapter 33. We're going to go back to John chapter 1. Exodus chapter 33. Looking at verse 18. Beautiful passage of scripture here where Moses is leading the children of Israel through the wilderness and he comes to this impasse with God and essentially he tells God, I'm not leading this people anymore unless you go with me because unless your presence is with me, we have nothing to distinguish us from all the other nations that are fighting against us. We must have your presence. We must have the stamp of your favor on our lives and God is entertaining this conversation with Moses. We pick the story up here in verse 18 of chapter 33. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause, look at this, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Notice, he didn't say, I'm gonna give you a spiritual experience. I love spiritual experiences. They have done so much in my life. I am not discounting amazing moments. We're having nights of worship so that we can have spiritual experiences. We're having nights of worship so that we can counter God and that he can reveal himself to us and we can posture ourselves to receive from God in new ways. I'm not downing spiritual experiences, but I am saying this. When Moses asked God to show him his glory, God says, I'm gonna reveal my name to you. The glory of God is the character of God in its fullness. 
The glory of God is the weight of who God is coming to bear in the earth. That is the glory of God. When you stand before someone of stature and regality, it is, it is the weight of their presence coming to bear in a room and you're saying, oh my God, the glory of this person, the glory of that, of that sunset, the glory of that artistic work, the, the, the weight of its beauty and majesty and magnificence is coming to bear on me. That is the glory of God fully expressed in the earth when Jesus took on flesh. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus is the glory of God. So in Exodus chapter 34, picking up right here at verse six, and he passed in front of Moses and he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Moses, I'm, my glory is too much. It's, it'll crush you. It'll crush you, right? But here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put you in the cleft of a rock. I'm gonna put my hand over your face and just the sheer weight of my being coming by you, you're going to experience something that you've never experienced before. It is the weight of the kabod, the kabod, the glory of God entering into your presence. It is my presence clashing and colliding with your presence and you will know the weight of something transcendental has come onto the scene. All of that was in Jesus. And then some, right? Looking again at John chapter one, verse 14. The word became flesh and he tabernacled among us. He lived in our neighborhood. He came to dwell with us. And then it says, we have seen his glory. Notice, notice, notice here the progression. Jesus is the word. He is the full wisdom and the will of God incarnate in Christ. He is the word of God, right? He is the life of God. And without the life of God, we cannot see the reality of God. But with the word of God and with the life of God, now we've seen his glory. And we are able to recognize his glory for what it is. But here's my favorite part of this. What is his glory? It is the fullness of grace, kissing truth, dwelling together. Do you know what the glory of God is? The glory of God is the fullness of grace and truth coexisting and abiding in perfection. Do you realize that we bring glory when we walk in grace and truth? Yes. That we reveal something, we resemble God most when we walk in grace and truth. And the difficult thing here, if we're really honest, is we, like to, we tend to fall on one side or the other, right? Who are my grace people in the house? Let me just see all my grace people, all right? Wait, I only got, I've got one grace person. Okay, a couple of grace people. Yes, hands, very good, very good, thank you. I need to know who my grace people are. Okay, because when I mess up, I need grace people around me. Okay, now, who are my, who are my truth people in the room? All the, Melissa, Melissa, throw your hand way high, okay? All the truth people, yes, black and white, this was wrong, this is right. You, did, you didn't get this, you need to come up, you need to raise your standard, we need to be more excellent. That's truth people, we love truth people. We need truth people. You know, the, the finger pointers that say you were wrong, you know you were wrong, right? That somehow Jesus reveals the glory of God. How? In the fullness of grace. It's not, it's not 50% grace and 50% truth. And now we've got, you know, we marry this together. No, somehow in God, and I don't know how this is. It's the logos of God, right? It's the wisdom of God. That in the wisdom of God, the thing that produces the life of God is that somehow Jesus is able to fully marry grace and truth without them being at war 
or in contention or in competition or in conflict with you. What does this look like? It looks like someone caught in adultery and truth says you ought to be stoned and grace says, I'm gonna get down in the sand and I'm gonna just write something. The authors don't know exactly what it is, but all of a sudden we see one by one, starting from the oldest to the youngest, all of the accusers begin to drop their stones and walk away. What is that? It's grace. But then Jesus says, now go and leave your life of sin plus truth. It is the fullness of grace, touching and kissing the fullness of truth and revealing the glory and the goodness of God. The grace of God, the steadfast goodness of God that comes near to us and we never deserved it. What is this grace? It is the undeserved kindness of God that is put on skin What is the grace of God? It is the logos of God putting on skin saying, I'll lay my life down so that they can come to know the life of God. That's the glory of God revealed in Jesus. He is the word. He is our life and he is our glory. Jonathan, if you would come forward. I I thought it would be so appropriate as we prepare our heart to come to the table, Jonathan, by the spirit, I believe, went into this song called Jesus at the center of it all. And I want us just to sing the song and sit under the song. Ministers of the table, you guys can come forward, but I want us to just worship Jesus. And can we begin this year by consecrating our hearts afresh to Jesus? That was not rhetorical. That's an invitation that this year in 2020, man, praise God, I, I, I want it all, guys. I want plenty in 2020. I want double, double. I want clear vision. I want double portion. I, but man, more than anything, I want Jesus, the logos of God, the life of God that the darkness cannot overcome. And I want Jesus, the glory of God, the fullness of grace and truth to kiss in Jesus. How many guys are up for that this year? That is our sure word. Can we worship God here for a minute before we come and receive fresh from the table of the living God? Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.